0: Hey guys, stay tuned to the conclusion of our latest episode, Jesus, our kinsman redeemer today on the last things podcast. john chapter 12 i'm sorry john chapter 12 verse 32 30 through 32 then jesus tells then jesus told them the voice was for your benefit not mine the time for judging this world has come where satan the ruler of this world will be cast out jesus says satan rules this world why because man forfeited it when Adam sinned. So now Satan has taken control of this world. But now. God has the deed. The original deed. God has it. So. Kinsman redeemer. You need somebody akin to Adam. Who could that be? Jesus. I'm going to explain that in a minute. Okay. We're going to come back to it. Now. It had to be akin. It had to be akin to man. Now. Now. He had to be willing to do it, and he had to be able to do it, and he had to pay full price, right? So let's keep going. I'm so sorry. I think I jumped ahead. Verse 5, but one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has conquered. He is worthy to open the scroll and break its seven seals. I looked and I saw a lamb that had been killed, but, is, but was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. What you say, John? So John says, Jesus has just shown up. How do we know it's Christ? Because of the names. And what, is Je- what was Jesus known? John the Baptist called him what? The lamb of God. Notice something. Lamb. It's capitalized. Lamb's capitalized. Only in scripture you do that as if this is something, this ain't no regular lamb. This is Jesus that John is seeing. He said, poof, Jesus just showed up and he looks like he did when he died on the cross. Hmm, why does he look that way? Remember, kinsman, redeemer, land. You had to be. Abel, you had to be a kin. What's one of Jesus's names? The son of man. Jesus is known as the second Adam in scripture. So we got Jesus. He's kin to Adam. He had to be willing to do it. Philippians chapter two, verse five through eight. This is what it says. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. He was willing to do it. John chapter 10 verse 18 says it this way no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down what I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. He was willing to lay his life down for us. He was willing to, and he was able to. Romans chapter five. I didn't pull up that scripture, guys, but that's another scripture of why he was able to, Romans chapter 5, verse 18 through 19, and another one, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, he had to be able to do it. So if he's the lamb of God, he could not have any blemishes. I want y'all to notice something. In the Old Testament, when they sacrifice lambs, you could not break the bones of the lambs. It's It's in the Old Testament. I'm not sure where it is. I'll have to look it up. But one of the things was when you sacrifice the lamb, you can't break his bones. Why is that important? Remember, Jesus is what? Jesus is what? The Lamb of God. He was sacrificed for us, right? Did you guys notice on that cross, was Jesus' bones broken? No. Remember, the soldiers broke the criminal's legs. And as they were getting ready to break Jesus' legs, they didn't. So what did they do? They pierced him on the side instead. If they had broken Jesus' legs, he would not have been a worthy sacrifice for us, because that was one of the laws in the Old Testament. You could not break the bones of the uh, lambs that you sacrifice. He wouldn't have been the perfect sacrifice for us if they had broke His legs. And had he fell into temptation, had he fell, in the wilderness, when the Holy Spirit led him to be tested by Satan, he would not have been—he wouldn't have been the perfect, uh, perfect sacrifice. The, the Bible says there was no guile found in his mouth. He was an innocent man who died a sinner's death. He was able to do it, and he had to pay full price. What was the full price? His life. The Bible says that the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. If Christ had not shed his blood for us, there could be no remission of sin. So the role of kinsman redeemer, Jesus, he would would be our redeemer. He's kin to Adam. He's the second Adam. He had to be able to do it, and he had to be willing to do it, and he had to pay full price. Which is why I believe this is why John, this is why he showed up as a lamb to show God, I paid for a price for it. I paid for it with my life. Now, let's keep going. Uh it has, he, I'm sorry, I'm very sorry. He has seven horns and seven eyes, which are what? The seven spirits of God that are sent out to every part of the world. We know that's the Holy Spirit. Now he said seven eyes this time. He said all over the Holy Spirit, he sees everything. See, a lot of people think that what, you know, that's why it's saying what's done in darkness shall come to light. Everything that you do, you think you get in the way, you not. God sees all. My pastor just talked about this today. And I don't know if you guys are aware of it or not. But there's an angel that's on the side of you that writes down everything you say and everything you do. That's why the Bible says you're going to have to answer for every idle word. Every idle word that comes out of your mouth, that angel is right there documenting it. So when it's your time to stand before God, they're going to open up the books. So that way you can't lie and say, oh, no, that didn't happen. That don't happen. Oh, no, you, you're crazy. Because one, you're lying. You, one, you're lying. And two, you're lying to God, man. That's even worse. But that angel is going to be right there recording everything. So all they got to do is open the book. And you can't you can't say, I didn't know. I don't remember. Oh, that angel's going to remember on this day, at this time, at this such and such. This is what he said. This is what she said. This is what she did. This is what he did. This is what they did. I got It's all wrote down. That's why you got to be careful of what you say. And you got to be careful of what you do because you think you're getting away. You're not getting away. God sees all. He sees all. So let's keep going. Verse seven, he stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And as he took the scroll, the four living beings and 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they had gold bowls filled with incense, the prayers of God's people. Do not think your prayers are going unanswered. We see here, every prayer, is kept in this bowl of incense. What do you do with incense? You burn it. And it produces an aroma. So they're, so we're going to assume that's what they're going to do. But we're going to see later on through, uh, in scripture what they do. But don't ever think your prayers are going unanswered. It goes back to what I said earlier about if God said it, he's going to do it. Don't think your prayers are going to be uh, going unanswered. Let me see if this will help you. In Daniel... Daniel had a vision and he didn't know what it meant. So he prayed, asking God. 21 days went by nothing. 20 days went by nothing. On that 21st day, Gabriel came to give him the answer. Daniel asked him, what took you so long? Gabriel said, as soon as you prayed that prayer, I was dispatched. But the prince of Persia, excuse me, guys, The Prince of Persia was in the air holding me back. I had to call Michael to come help me. So while Michael began to fight this Prince of Persia, the demonic influence that's in the air, I came here to give you the answer that God told me to come give you. But I can't stay long because I got to get back to this fight. Oftentimes your prayers might not be getting through because of the demonic influences that's in the air. That's why the Bible said. that's why Jesus gave that parable about the one the, un, the woman with the unjust judge. He told you keep praying, keep praying. You don't stop, you pray it every day. You keep praying. What's that acronym that we use? Push, pray until something happens. That's what you do. You keep praying, you keep. Keep going and don't stop. And don't you ever believe that your prayers are going unanswered. Because right here in Revelation, we see they held gold bowls filled with incense, the prayers of God's people. Amen. Now let's keep reading verse 9. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were killed, and your blood has ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people. And you have caused them to become king, God's kingdom and priests, and they will reign on earth. Verse 10 says this, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Ooh, man. That's the song that who's singing? The four living creatures and who? The 24 elders. Hmm. They just told you who they were. He said, they, and, they, and has made us unto our God kings and priests. There are only three people in the Bible who are kings and priests. Melchizedek, read in your study time. Melchizedek, Jesus Himself, who's the third? The Church is the third. What's going on, guys? This is Damien. I'm trying something new. Um, there's a couple of points. If I'm if I time this right, let me go there. If I time this right, I should be interrupting this episode right where I'm talking about um, Melchizedek. Jesus, and the church, being the only three people that have been known as kings and priests in the Bible. There were some points I wanted to make, and I didn't think about it until after I had recorded this episode. So I released the first half last week, and I'm releasing the other half this week. But what I wanted to do is, because I wanted to make my points, I decided to re-edit the video. So Like I said, if I time this right, I should be right at the moment where I'm talking about uh, Jesus, Melchizedek, and the church. I'm sorry. So I wanted to make these points, and uh, then we'll get back to the episode. Um, First point that I want to make, there's a, a teaching out there that says that David is also a high priest. There are certain things that David did that they consider priestly. One, is in 2nd Samuel chapter 6 verse 18 where it says this then when he had finished his sacrifices David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies and then there's uh, another passage of scripture where i believe it's it's 1st Chronicles chapter 15 verse 16 through 29 it's in there where it says David leads the procession of priests who are carrying the ark And another thing that they have taken out of context is Psalm 110, the 110th number of Psalm, verse four. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. So there's a teaching that says David is a high priest. David's not a high priest. He's not, he's a king, but he's not a high priest for two reasons. One, in the Old Testament, All of the high priests in the Old Testament, they always came from the tribe of Levi. It's called the Levitical priesthood. Why did they come from the tribe of Levi? Remember, in the Old Testament, when they were dividing up the promised land between all the tribes, all of the uh, 12 tribes of Israel, remember, God told the tribe of Levi they would not receive any inheritance of the land. They got cities but they did not get land of their own like everybody else did because God told them he was going to be their inheritance. So because of that, the old, when you speak of high priests in the Old Testament, they always came from the tribe of Levi. David did not come from the tribe of Levi. David came from the tribe of Judah. So he is not a high priest. If he was, he would have came from the tribe. God, He would have He would have been born through the tribe of Levi, but he was not. He was born through the tribe of Judah. And the second reason why David's not a high priest, remember what I just read in 110th number of Psalms, verse four, where it said, you are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. If you look at verse one, what does it say? The Lord said unto my Lord, the new living translation says this, the Lord said to my Lord. David said, God said to his Lord. Who is David's Lord? Who is David talking about? David is talking about Jesus Christ. This whole chapter is about the plan that God has for Jesus Christ. When it's verse four, when it says, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. That's talking about Jesus Christ. It's not talking about David people look at that scripture and they say, oh, that's God saying David comes from the line of Melchizedek. No, that is, that is God talking about Jesus Christ will come from, Jesus Christ will come in the line of Melchizedek. Okay. So David is not a high priest. So let's, uh, hopefully that cleared that up. David's not a high priest. Now, Later on in the episode, I'm going to talk about Melchizedek, and I'm going to say read him in your study time, but since I'm doing this interruption in the episode, I, I want to point to you where to study him at, okay? So he first appears in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 through 20. This is where he first appears, Well. I'm paraphrasing, you go back and reading your study time where Abraham is walking, he runs into the king of Sodom and he runs into Melchizedek. Melchizedek bless, uh, gives him bread and wine and he blesses him. Afterwards, Abraham gives Melchizedek a 10th of everything he had collected, which would be a tithe. So Abraham gives Melchizedek a tithe. Now, if you wanna really go in depth Of Melchizedek, read Hebrew chapter seven, Hebrew chapter seven. So read Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 through 20, and then go back and read Hebrew chapter seven. I'm gonna give you an example of something that's in Hebrew about him. Hebrew chapter seven, verse three says this. There is no record of his father or mother, of any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the son of God. The scripture says he just showed up out of the blue. He first showed up in Genesis. There's no record of who his mother is, who his father is, any other ancestors. There's no record of his birth. There's no record of his death. There's no record of nothing. He just shows up. Out of the blue, blesses Abraham. The one thing that we do know about him when he shows up is he's the king of Salem. He's the king of Salem and a priest of God most high. High. We know about him. He is a king and he is a priest. That is all we pretty much know about him. The scriptures don't say anything else about him. Hebrews 7 says there's no record of his parents, his ancestors, his birth, or his death. So because of that, he remains a priest forever. You know, the Bible w- where, where it says the, uh, Jesus will come in a line of Melchizedek, Melchizedek is a priest forever. And Jesus is a priest forever because Jesus is our high priest. What's a high priest? The person who's the, the middle man between God and his people. That's who the high priest is. That's what a high priest is. Jesus is the middle, is the middleman man between God and us. That's why, so he's our high priest. So if you want to know about Melchizedek, read Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 through 20, and then read Hebrews 7. If you want to, you can skip the Genesis part because it's, it's, it's discussed in Hebrews 7 as well. But my advice is read Genesis 14, verse 18 through 20, and then read Hebrews 7 to learn about Melchizedek. Now, the final point that I want to make is I said G, Melchizedek, Jesus, and the church as the only three people who are considered kings and priests, Right remember what I, what do I always say about the church? One body with many parts. So when I say the church, I'm saying the church as singular. That's why I said only three people. The church is singular, one body, many parts. So remember that the church is one body with many parts. That's why I said only three people. The church is considered singular, not plural, singular. Okay. So I wanted to bring those points out. So that's why I did this little edit, um, this little edit to put into the episode. So God says, that's really all I got. So um, how did they say it back in the day? Back to our regularly scheduled program. Love you guys. See you next week. Look what he said. It has made unto us that we shall reign on the earth. Who is promised to reign with Jesus on earth? The church is these 24 elders have what they're in white and they have gold crowns and they're sitting on thrones. Jesus. The Bible says the church will reign with Jesus Christ. Men only have crowns on their heads. No angels. These 24 elders represent the church they represent the church. They are elders in the church, but they are connected to the church. They are elders of the church. And remember last week when we were reading in Isaiah about what he saw in the uh, throne of God? And Ezekiel has a description of, well, I believe of the throne but I want Isaiah's, uh, but I'm using Isaiah's right now and Ezekiel's. I'm um, going to post it on Facebook where it is in Ezekiel. So you'll be able to go back and read in your study time. But Isaiah says, describe the throne. Did Isaiah see? Remember I said, hmm, when Isaiah described it, you know why I said that? If you look Isaiah said nothing about 24 elders. And I said, hmm, that's pretty strange. Isaiah said, ain't said nothing about no 24 elders. John, however, says there's 24 elders here. Why is that important? Because remember, nobody heard of the church in the Old Testament. The church is a New Testament thing. So of course, in Isaiah's time, he would not see 24 elders. Why? Because the church wasn't created until the New Testament. That's why Isaiah does not see 24 elders, but that's why John sees them. That's why, that's why I said, hmm, because Isaiah doesn't see 24 elders. However, John says there are 24 elders here. Why are they Why? Because the church was not in the Old Testament. Isaiah would not see them because the church was not created until when? The New Testament. That's why John said that he's seeing 24 elders. And that's why Isaiah does not see 24 elders. That's why I said, hmm, that's pretty interesting. That's why. And another rapture thing, why? If they represent the church, Has Jesus, I'm skipping ahead, but look, look where they are. They are in heaven and they represent the church, the elders of the church. Another proof right there that the rapture takes place before the tribulation period. Uh, Anyway, let's keep going. We are verse 11. Then I looked again and I heard the singing of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, the lamb is worthy. The lamb who was killed, he is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. They are praising Jesus for what he has done. Everybody is praising Jesus for what he's done. Verse 13, and then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth and in the sea, they all sang, blessing and honor, and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Verse 14: And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped God and the Lamb, God and the Lamb. In this song, in verse 13. Everybody's singing. Everybody's praising. Everybody. He said every sea, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. Everybody's praising God, the father and God, the son. Everybody. Now. And. And uh, and in the first and in the song before that everybody's praising christ for what he did and if you look the 24 elders fell down and they sung the first song 24 now the first song 24 elders and the living creatures sung that song about what jesus had done he was worthy he died and redeemed multitudes made us kings and priests and will reign on earth and then the second song was sung by the millions of angels where it says Jesus is worthy to receive power and riches, and every creature everywhere sung their last song: blessing and honor, glory and power. So it's just amazing, guys. But that's it for Revelation 5. So that's the working theory of what everybody believes Revelation 5 represents with scroll and the Kinsman Redeemer. Now, here's uh something that I kind of My preference, I guess you could say. You know, oftentimes we can look at things in scripture and we want to know so badly what it means and what happens. But oftentimes we just don't have an answer. We just don't know. Like, prime example, Jeremiah with his land. We don't know. All we can do is speculate. So and, and I'm saying that to say we we sometimes we could focus on something that might not be that important. Like with Revelation five, when we talked about the scroll. John's describing it. But the most important thing about the scroll is who's worthy to open it. So that's where the importance is. It's not the scroll that's important. It's important as to who's worthy to open the scroll. That's the most important thing about it. So I'm just saying that to say, don't get too caught up trying to learn. You're not going to know everything about scripture because we just don't have the answers to everything. You're not going to know everything scripture that's not in the Bible until we stand before God. That's that's when we'll know. So there's some things we just not going to have answers to. We just don't know. So I'm saying that to say that working theory, it's a theory and it's the most popular one right now. I'm inclined to believe it because it kind of fits with Revelation five as to what's going on. So but again, it's your opinion. You need to research it yourself and make your own conclusion. It's just my job to present it to you. So you make your own decision. But. Guys, that's it for Revelation five. But before we go, you know, what we want to do. We want to offer salvation to you. We want to offer it to you, man? We see so much going on right now, and especially with the with the uh, with the with the Ukraine situation, Russia and Ukraine, man. There, we've seen so many videos of men leaving their children, and the men having to go and fight these war fight, and even the Able-bodied children, you know, 18, they're having to fight, fight the uh fight the soldiers that are coming in, fighting their enemies. And it's just so sad to see all of this. But I'm saying that to say, you know, this is sad, but this is true. This is just part of life. If their salvations are not, if if their salvation is make your calling election sure, make your salvation and election sure. If their salvation is not secure, if they have not accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, when they die on that battlefield, there's only one place for them to go. And the Bible says you don't know the day nor that. We don't know when it's our time to punch out. You know, I've heard this before. That's one appointment you'll never be late for. You'll never be late for that. But it's so important that we make sure that our salvation is secure because we never know what could happen. We could step out and boom, we're gone just like that. We could leave in the morning, heading off to work, and we may never come home. Or you could lay down at night like Bob Sackett. He He hit his head from what the report that I saw. He had a head injury and he went to sleep. And that poor man didn't wake up at all the next morning. I just pray that he had a relationship but it's so important with everything going on right now this is looking more and more we're getting closer and closer to jesus return he said this don't don't think it's strange it's just the birth pains now i believe that's what we are we're in the we're in the birthing pains you know how it is when a woman's ready to give birth before she gives birth she has birth pains. she has labor contractions that's what we are now we're in the birthing pains, contractions. And so, and as it's becoming more and more frequent, more frequent, and intensity is picking up and picking up and picking up until, boom, that baby is here. And what baby are we looking for? We're looking for Jesus, and he's coming. And I believe he's coming a lot sooner than what people think. So this is what I want you to do. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me and just repeat this simple little prayer. Say, Lord Jesus I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. Forgive me of my sins. Make me, shape me, and mold me into the person that you called me to be. I submit to you. You are the son of God. Do with, I submit my life to you. Do with me as you wish. I submit to you. In the name of Lord Jesus, we pray and thank you. Amen. Guys, we're going to believe that if you pray that simple prayer, your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. And now you have a spot. Jesus said, You'll reign. Jesus said, The church will reign with him. We believe now that you're going to reign with him. Now that you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, part two of that salvation find a good Bible based church and get in. Find your good, I'm not going to say fine, wrong word. Pray and ask God to send you to the right church because everything that's standing today saying church is not church. It's not. So do that make sure, pray and ask God to send you to a Bible-based church. And get around some people, man, who are well-versed in scripture, man, to let them help you to grow. The Bible says iron sharpen iron. That's what we got to do. We got to get around other Bible-based people who read the the Bible on a daily basis, who can share with us and help us grow. Because at the end of the day, it's our job to go off and spread the good news of the gospel. Amen. So guys, that's it for this episode. That's it for Revelation chapter five. Next week, we are covering Revelation chapter six. What happens in chapter six? The lamb breaks the first six seals. And that first one, whoo, man, that's going to be an interesting one because that's the co-star of this thing. That's I guess you could say he's the co-star. He, yeah, you could say he's the co-star. Jesus is, is the star. This is all about revealing Jesus. But we, not even the co-star. This is, you know, in the movies, they have the protagonist and the antagonist. The protagonist is the good guy. So we know we got the protagonist, Jesus. Now, next week, we're going to deal with that antagonist. Who am I talking about? You wait till next week and see. I ain't telling you. You're going to find out for yourself. Come back next week and find out. And I'll tell you who the antagonist, who's Jesus' antagonist is in Revelation. So I love you guys. You guys have a blessed week. Be safe out there. And I love you. And I'll see you next week with another fantastic episode of The Last Things Podcast, where we are on a journey to truth. Love you guys. Be blessed.